Hello, nutrition enthusiasts. Hello, RDs to be. My name is Zach Caseberg, and welcome to the Diet NPO podcast. What's going on with all of you recently? Life's been okay for me. Recently, I've just kind of been drawn back due to a little bit of injury, so haven't been able to work out, and that's been a big deficit in my schedule, certainly. You know that feeling where you have that deficit in your schedule, and you just feel like you know that something is definitely missing, and you just have nothing to fill it with? That's kind of what I'm going with now. And then when a doctor tells you to do it, it's certainly that much more difficult to, to kind of be pursuing. But hey, you kind of go on and keep that motivated state as much as you can. Um, it's great to have an event or something to train for to kind of keep you motivated and looking forward. Now, I'd love to look in the future maybe about some plant-based diets, anti-inflammatory diets, or some ways that I can change my nutrition to really help my overall health. But today isn't necessarily about my internal struggles. It's about the internal struggles that we might encounter as professionals working with clients and patients as they certainly have much of the same as their own internal struggles. Today will be about the quintessential migration between the behavioral and the physical management as we're going to be talking about eating disorders. But first, a disclosure. My personal experience with eating disclosures, aka EDs as they're referred, and patients who have EDs is honestly quite limited. I remember one experience when I was in grad school when I was working as more of like a nutrition graduate assistant, giving nutrition recommendations to people when they would ask for it. And I remember a student approaching me looking for advice and it ended up turning into that type of conversation with them. Um, that's been most of my experience other than maybe some clinical patients that I encountered. Now, um, when it comes to the EDs, what I'll be dis discussing today will be really the purpose of the medical nutrition therapy recommendations per the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. If you or someone you know is struggling with ED, I'd recommend reaching out to the appropriate resources such as the nationaleatingdisorder.org. Since my knowledge is limited, Let's make sure that I'm up to speed on my EDs info and that you're up to speed with me. EDs are commonly characterized as psychiatric illnesses with persistent disturbances in eating habits or weight control behaviors. When these disturbances actually impact your physical, psychological functioning, this is known as an eating disorder. EDs are diagnosed under the DSM-5 and we're gonna break down each of these disorders today, discuss some of those in signs and symptoms, as well as maybe a little bit of the pathology of the condition, as well as going into some of the MNT management. The biggest thing to know is that treatment for EDs is a perfect example of a multi-care team of dietitians, physicians, psychiatrists, depending on what that severity might be for that patient. Inpatient treatment is often necessary and may be required for a patient due to this prolonged period of psychological stress and periods of inadequate nutrition. Our first and foremost today is anorexia nervosa. Anorexia is most characterized by a restriction of energy intake leading to significantly low body weight. This can also show a fear of gaining weight or you might engage in behaviors such as extreme exercise to prevent gaining weight you may have an altered perception of what a body image may look like. There's usually about two types. There's a restrictive type where someone is really restricting the amount of intake or calories they may have. And two is going to be a purging type, which we're going to get into a little bit later. That is what is going on 
behaviorally. But what about physically? Well, this illness we know is quite common in females and adolescents and children specifically. Your best, but not exclusively, right? Your best nutrition indicator will be that low body mass index, or you'll notice how their BMI may be tracking lower under the growth rate compared to that of their peers, since we can see it in adolescents and children even. I'll also drop in a good RD exam nugget for you. There's a term that we can use in the RD exam called amenorrhea. Amenorrhea. And I always make this stupid dumb joke that as a guy, I have no clue what amenorrhea is. What does that word mean? So let's break it down. A is the starting prefix. That means the lack of, right? It's a lack of. And then menorrhea is discussing blood flowing out of the uterus. So amenorrhea means lack of a period in women. As your body fat levels get very decreased in anorexia, so does your ability to release and create sexual hormones, which secondarily causes that amenorrhea. But also due to that intake, what else are we gonna be concerned about? You're also gonna be looking at all kinds of deficiencies, right? Not just that low body weight. Anemia due to an iron deficiency, dehydration with a high BUN, pretty much hypo of anything including magnesium, zinc, phosphorus, because they're just not getting enough intake of these types of foods. Upon a nutrition-focused physical examination, you would find the patient would have physical signs of malnutrition potentially, very soft, brittle hair, brittle nails, and a very overall cachectic look. For anorexia, you'd be working with similar procedures on how you may approach malnutrition, for instance. We need to get them calories and we need to get them protein, right? But keep the note that if they've gone a long period without taking any intake in, they may be at a great risk for refeeding syndrome. So whether you're using an oral diet, EN or PN, it's going to be, have to be on a proper procedure for the case of refeeding. We'd also be working out to balance those levels, out those electrolytes, as well as the multiple nutrient deficiencies that we would probably see. Bulimia nervosa is our next guy to tackle. Bulimia is characterized by recurrent episodes of binge eating large amounts of food, large amounts of calories than what would be considered normal, and a really like a lack of sense of control during these episodes as well. It's also followed by this compensatory response of either purging, which is when you are vomiting after eating to kind of remove all that food from your body. This is usually seen once per week for three months is characterized as bulimia nervosa at a minimum. Or behaviors such as fasting, excessive use of diuretics, laxatives, or excessive exercise after this binging episode. So you can kind of see the evolution that these patients are going through. It's a binge and then this big compensatory response, right? Now per our resources, people with bulimia commonly are overweight or at a normal BMI. Doesn't mean this is all cases, that's just saying what most research points to. <clears throat> While they are purging or excessively exercising, they aren't likely to lose all the weight of the intake that they took in, right? They're burning off some of it, but again, you're probably gonna absorb some of that large intake that you took in. We're also going to be seeing some clinical evidence of some scratches on the top of, top of the hand. These are called Russell signs. And that is from the purging act, scratching your knuckles 
on the top of your teeth. So on those two front knuckles, your index finger and middle finger, you're gonna see those scratches called Russell signs. We're also see some enlargement of that parotid gland, and we're gonna also see some dental enamel erosion. And why is that? The dental enamel erosion is because the acid from the stomach comes up and is rotting the teeth. <clears throat> what are some other things you might think of? Well, if someone is vomiting enough, you may expect to see some metabolic alkalosis because remember, they're losing acid from the stomach. As they lose more acid, their pH tends to climb up. <clears throat> For kalemia, just consider what the patient is losing. Chronic vomiting can lead to dehydration, alkalosis, hypokalemia, as well as some sore throat and esophagitis. The MNT needs would be to balance out those anthropometrics and possibly be providing some motivational interviewing for controlling behaviors such as fullness and choice of foods. Now a simpler one to go through is binge eating disorder, where we're having this large binge and lack of control, as well as three or more of the following. These aren't necessary to remember for the RD exam, but for you, it might just be good to kind of know. Three or more of the following. Eating more rapidly, eating till way too full, just excessive sick fullness, eating large amounts when not hungry, eating alone out of embarrassment, feeling disgusted with self, three of those following, etc. We're looking at at least once per week for three months. And as far as physical pathology is concerned, we'd likely be seeing an overweight or obese patient or client here. Hyperglycemia, dyslipidemia, even maybe hypertension due to those high levels of sodium intake because they're really just intaking too much. Um, and so it's not like they're purging it up in this case, it's just the intake that we're concerned with. A last one to consider could be one of the newest we've heard of. This is avoidance slash restrictive food intake disorder. Avoidance or restrictance of food intake that is associated with one or more of the following instances would be characteristic of this. Significant weight loss, significant nutritional deficiency, dependence on EN or oral nutrition supplements, or a marked interference with psychosocial functioning. With a patient, this could be a child who is really, really selective with the types of texture of food. In an adult, it could be something like an adult who has this perception that all foods other than salad are unhealthy. And you know that if you're just eating leafy greens, well, you're getting plenty of vitamin K, but you're not going to get all the other vitamins and minerals that you need for your body. So this is kind of seen with this avoidant or restrictive ideal. What we're likely to see with these patients is nutritional deficiencies due to that restrictive eating, weight loss, malnutrition, decreased growth rate, and some bradycardia. I love EDs as a topic, and for anyone that's in recovery, considering recovery, I want to say we're behind you, and you should always feel free to come to you know, an RD that you trust if you feel you want to talk about eating, because you know that's what we're here for, and we'd love to get you the resources you need. Time to apply this to a couple practice questions, though, so let's see what you know. Number one, anorexia nervosa would be most characteristic of blank. A, overweight, binging, purging. B, underweight, selective eating, normal period. C, underweight, amenorrhea, anemia, or D, 
obesity, binging, emotional eating. Let's tackle those again and I'm gonna rule out which ones I don't like, that's our strategy. First off with A, we have overweight, binging, and purging. Now this may be characteristic of bulimia nervosa potentially, but no, I don't think anorexia is gonna fit with overweight, so I would actually remove A first there. B was underweight, selective eating, normal period. Okay, underweight, selective eating, I'm okay with those things. I think that's that fits well enough. Normal period though, no, I think they're gonna have a, um, a abnormal period, if anything. C, underweight, amenorrhea, or an, an anemic. I like that answer, I like the low BMI, the amenorrhea, and the anemia, due to the fact they probably don't have enough intake. And then D, obese, binging, emotional eating. I think that one's out too, because obesity is just not a good fit. So I'm gonna go with C. Anorexia nervosa would be most characteristic of underweight, amenorrhea, and anemia. Number two, which of the following would be the nutrition priority for a patient who has avoidance slash restrictive food intake disorder? Okay. These are these people that have those texture issues or they really perceive a certain foods as unhealthy as they only eat certain things, right? Would it be A, Russell signs, B, micronutrient deficiencies, C, hyperglycemia, or D, obesity? All right, so we're looking at which one would be the nutrition priority for restrictive avoided disorder. Starting with A, Russell signs. Again, we talked about Russell signs, I think, with bulimia, because that's that scratches they're getting on their fingers. And so actually, I think that's not a good fit here, because we're not really seeing purging with this condition. So let's get rid of A. For B, micronutrient deficiencies, I'm okay with that. I'm gonna hold on to that just because I feel when they're very selective or restrictive with what they eat, this can bring up some micronutrient deficiencies. So let's see. C is hyperglycemia. This is high blood sugars. Hmm, I don't think that's going to be a good fit for this. Um, you know, they're supposed to be avoidant. If they're only eating candy, sure. But no, I don't think that's a good fit in general. And D, obesity. No, I don't think it's going to be obesity. If anything, I'll bet they're going to be underweight due to that selective or restrictive eating pattern. So I would say B, micronutrient deficiencies is the best fit for a nutrition priority for avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. All right, now to the good, bad, and the ugly a little bit since you all worked so hard today. Well, it's that time of year again. The winter season always keeps coming in, but occasionally you'll get sick of staying in and you'll head out in the cold and say, hey, let's go out for something. Uh, our town is very well known for restaurants, but not exactly like original restaurants. Don't Don't let it fool you. Uh, I'm pretty sure we still hold the record for most restaurants per square mile, and most of them are chains, so <laughs> uh, it's a real joy. So when a new spot pops up, something that's something that's actually original, we just, we have to try it. And the other night we hit this restaurant called Froth and Fork, which was like a small fusion bar mainly, and it's in a bit of a dead part of town, but they had excellent service, excellent food, and it was a really good go-to um, for the price too. Um, my go-to for any bar type place like that is to try out wings. Usually is something I know most places can do pretty solid and I really judge a place by their wings and the Nashville hot hit really well that night. Um, we had a great little night hanging out. 
Um, it was just a nice little top off. So wings are the next thing that I got to look at for our dining centers to see what to bring in. Maybe a wing sauce of some kind that's our own. But that wraps it up for the Diet NPO podcast today, folks. Um, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your pods. Check me out on IG, Zach underscore snacks. And as always, happy studying.